0: glad to have you with us now in the studio with Mike Wicard. I'm Wayne Shepherd and Michael let's dedicate this podcast to all those of us and I include myself mm-hmm. who stumble in daily reading God's Word right?
1: Oh I'm glad I don't struggle with that Wayne but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing
0: to help <laughs> you out for with that it. one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I set you up.
0: We're calling this program Reading and Writing as in, you know, going the right direction, reading oh, and yeah. writing. Oh, yeah. So uh, Dr. George Guthrie will be with us on the program here in a few minutes talking about his new book, A Short Guide to Reading the Bible Better. And who better to talk to us about
1: scripture? I mean, I've known George for for so long, for 30 or 40 years, and he is he is to me the uh the, the best Bible person that opening the Bible, I was going to say commentator, but he's more than a commentator. He really, he draws you into scripture in a way that I don't think anybody else I know does.
0: And he's a sweet guy too, on top of all that. Well, regular listeners know that uh, since he's with us often, that he is professor of New Testament at Regent College in Vancouver, BC. Mm -hmm. And um, again, his new book is called A Short Guide to Reading the Bible Better. We'll talk with George here in a few moments, but you know, the last time he was with us, we got this response from Bob who wrote to us and said, "If you love connecting the dots in the scriptures, just wait until you hear George Guthrie explain how Matthew connects the dots between Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jesus." Yeah. "Then read the entire passages he mentions and be blown away. So yeah. good!" exclamation point. "Great episode!" exclamation point. So oh, wow. somebody liked
1: it. It's so neat when somebody gets it, and I think a lot of people are getting it. So that's it. That is encouraging. Thanks for that letter.
0: Yeah. And uh, we're going to have some music from Michael, of course, as we always do in the program here. We're going to hear you sing the book in just a moment. Later, the song, The Bridge. That'll come in after the conversation with George. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half of the program here today, we're going to revert to our classic recording of uh, John Ketchings being in the studio with you, the cellist. Mm -hmm. And uh, that'll be a very special time here in the second half of In the Studio. Yeah. But let's begin with this song. Let's begin with the book. Uh, Chenoa is going to accompany you on the violin here, and mm-hmm. uh, tell me about the song "The Book." Well, this is
1: a bu- this song is kind of a broad overview. Uh, I, I I think it's a it, it's actually a, a great song to set up George Guthrie because it talks about turning the pages with awe, with trembling awe, and um, th- that there's no other book uh, like the Bible. Um, uh, it, we go as deep as we can go, look as far as we can look, but we'll. Uh, only scratch the surface of the pages of the book, and uh, I mm-hmm. think George is actually going to talk
0: talk about that. Let's listen as Michael sings those lines for us now. The book
3: through the paragraphs of prophets. In their fiery words and rhymes In the pages of the patriarchs We can read on every line Of the kindness of commandments And of all he undertook That before we called he answered us In the pages of the book It is the key, it than ink and cloth and page These wine preserved in blood and tears To speak to each new age Come read the very thoughts of God Hear what wisdom has to say For in three thousand years and more It hasn't aged a day And the pages of the book Are turned with trembling awe As we witness wonders there Surface of the meaning of the book So open up your heart and soul to the call and the command Hold a vast and priceless treasure in the palm of just one hand And no true transformation as you take it up and look at the flesh and bone and blood of truth In the pages of the book And the pages of the book Are turned with trembling all As we witness wonders there That only faithful saw We go as deep as we can go Look as hard as we can look But we only scratch the surface Of the meaning of the book As we only scratch the of the meaning of the book.
0: What an appropriate song to enter into this next conversation. Always glad to hear Shanoa with that violin too, Michael.
1: Yeah, she's she's wonderful and uh, as as good a violinist as she is, she's a She's a better friend, hmm. and uh, yeah, Wonderful. I love
0: Shenoa. Well, yeah. say hello to Dr. George Guthrie.
1: Well, let me first just say that George and I have been friends for decades. We were brought together through my mentor, uh, William Lane, and he is my go-to guy with Bible questions. So, uh, Dr. Guthrie, George, well, welcome back.
4: <laughs> well, guys, it's always good to be with you. Uh, it's just it's just fun to get together and and talk about things. So, thanks for having me in.
0: Again, the book is called a short guide to reading the Bible better, and we've got the author right here in our presence, Michael.
1: Well, and and one thing you can't say about George—he is not a slacker. He's not a slacker. Here's another book, uh, and uh, and the hits just keep on coming, wor- huh? They do, and they—I I don't personally have one. No one has sent me one yet, uh, but we can talk about that later. Uh, but what I, I love about the introduction of this book is it, 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 one of the ideas is that he says that the number one predictor of a person's spiritual health is whether they regularly re- read the Bible or not. And I think that's a pretty uh, spot-on statement,
4: George. Yeah, over the past uh, several decades, there have been surveys done around the world um, on people's spirituality where they've they've actually done these studies and one of the common denominators in those studies is that Bible reading comes up every time at at the top of what indicates whether a person's thriving spiritually. And that's mm-hmm. really interesting. I mean even above things like regular attendance of church or whatever. and I, I think that the reason for that is when we have a rhythm in life where we're open, to God on a daily basis, we're, we're kind of leaning in trying to hear what God would say to us as just a normal pattern of life, then that prepares us for all the other aspects of living in community with people, uh, mm-hmm. hearing the word preached and taught, uh, being people who are who are normally doing the things that we do as the church. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's been a very consistent uh, statistic. And I think it, it's indicative of, of the need for us all continuing to come back to that rhythm of Bible reading. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I could tell when I haven't been in Scripture, I just feel sort of weak. And um, it's hard to see what's the point. And, and I'll stop and realize you haven't read your Bible in two days or what, however long it's been. And um, you go back to Scripture, and and you're back on track.
4: Well, and I, I have to speak this to myself, too. But, um, you know, if if it is true that the God of the universe— has spoken into this world there is nothing more important than that we hear what he would want to say to us on a regular mm. basis. I mean that yeah. makes that that seems like such a simple concept but it's really true and even um, for me as somebody who teaches the Bible all the time, I have to remind myself to come back around to having a posture of openness mm-hmm. to where I'm really listening.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to ask that very same question, George. I mean, you deal with it academically,
4: but um, it, it, it speaks to you so powerfully personally, too. Right. Um, I, I have to remind my students of that. It's an irony that uh, graduate school in theology, or what you know we often call seminary, is a place where people go to dry out spiritually at times because— what happens is we end up with a dichotomy in life where we're focused on all the assignments that are related to the Bible, and that's not integrated with who we are as people as we follow Christ into the Bible. And that's a that's a different thing. So one thing that we emphasize here at Regent College is integration, that we want to be people who are really integrated in who we are, where we're not uh, separating out loving God with our mind from loving God with our heart. And we, we have to kind of pull all those pieces together. And for me, I would say the most important uh, foundational aspect is actually coming back to this relational dynamic. Um, one, one thing that I I talk about in the book, the very first main chapter is on relationship. Um, reading the Bible well is not primarily about having all the processes and having all the tools, although those things are really important because it's a skill that we grow in but foundationally it's about the heart it's about having um, a relational space in our lives where we are thriving and growing in our relationship with christ and and hearing him speak to us through his word yeah and i can tell when i'm struggling that's what i've got to go back to is is what are the other things that are crowding out my heart
0: yeah well it is the living word of god isn't it i mean michael Earlier, we recorded a separate podcast, and during that podcast and talking with a guest, you asked me to read a portion of Scripture. And as I read that portion, which I've read, I don't know how many times before, but as I read it, there were things in it that came alive to me that I'd never seen before. And that's what we're talking about
4: here.
1: Well, and only the Bible is that way. I mean, Shakespeare doesn't do that. Uh, but you'll read a passage, you know, that you've written, someone like George has written a dissertation on and you read it a year later and you see a whole other level of meaning that you never saw before. And uh, there's only, I one can point. honestly
4: say that I like you take something like the book of Hebrews, which we've talked about a number of times that I've really been focused on and studying academically for yep. 35 to 40 years. And <laughs> yet in recent years i can very honestly say i've seen things that i've never seen before because yeah. the world is so deep and rich that we're never going to tap it out right
0: well let's be honest here we are a month into the new year and already many of us have given up on that resolution mm-hmm. to read the bible every day <laughs> haven't we uh we, we've got the man here who wrote a short guide to reading the bible better michael so i think we ought to ask him about that
4: yeah let's walk through this george Okay. So what I do in the book is I have that foundational chapter on uh, reading or, or basically reading relationally. Uh, it's called Look to the Heart. And then we go through uh, thinking about words in chapter three, how do words work? I mean, basic communication, you know, and how do we tap into the words of scripture in a way that we're really hearing them. We talk about uh, types of literature. Um, in chapter four, reading in light of the grand story in chapter five, and then I kind of come around and summarize basic tools for good Bible reading in chapter six. So this is not an advanced guide on reading the Bible. Uh, we really did this as something that a church could hand out to members who have never had a class on reading the Bible before, and it would be a starter, you know, a place to to just kind of get going
1: and even the size of the book you you said before you can get, your church can get a box of these and they can hand these out to a class or whatever it's it's not a big thick book it's a it's a it's a primer
4: yeah and if uh people look on lifeway.com um you'll see the full price for the individual book but you can buy a whole box of them for about half the price per copy wow. uh so if you buy 20 or more i think you get a, a big discount because They're really wanting this to get out there and help churches train people how to read the Bible. Wow.
0: Well, can we go to a passage as an example? Can we go to Mark chapter 4? We identified this ahead of time as uh, our target passage. Um, How should we get into this, George?
4: Well, it's such a great passage for what we're talking about, because if you look at Mark's gospel, as Mike knows really well, Mark um, jumps in to to the rushing river of Jesus' powerful acts. I think mark is is um really revealing to us the identity of Jesus and uh, showing that he is fulfilling a lot of the stuff that were pro- that was uh, promised in relation to Yahweh in the in the Old Testament. So uh, all these things about Jesus calming the storm and walking on the water, these are evoking Old Testament passages of power. but, The foundational passage on Jesus' teaching is the parable of the sower Mm -hmm. in Mark chapter 4. And there are all kinds of things that we can talk about that help us to hear this, which is good, because the very first uh, word that Jesus says related to this uh, passage is listen, which is a major theme of Scripture. If you go Mm -hmm. back to the Shema in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, uh, it starts out, Shema. That's the reason why we call it the Shema. Shema in Hebrew means listen. It's what you'd say to your kid. If, if your kid was, you know, messing around and would not listen to you, listen say, listen to me.
2: And, uh, <laughs> and so, if you
4: think about it every day, the uh, Jewish people would, uh, would recite Shema. Here, listen. O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart is one of the kind of basic aspects of it there. And so Jesus starts out by challenging his crowd, listen, listen up. And he goes on to explain that if you don't get this parable, you're not going to get any of the parables. Yeah. Because this is the key to unlock uh, how you how you listen to what God would say to you.
0: Yeah, let me read those verses uh, that you're referring to, verses 10 through 12. When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. He answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive; they may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn
4: back and be forgiven. Yeah, that's a, a very striking passage, isn't it? It, uh, is. it? it it in essence says that the parables turn into a form of judgment. Um, that a person's inability to tune into spiritually what's really going on and what Jesus is saying uh, turns out to be an indictment because the person's heart is closed to what God would say to them. Um, now, that goes back to the basic imagery of the parable itself. So maybe we could talk about that if that's okay. Please. Uh, what Jesus that's- is doing here is, you know, one aspect of his master teacher role in the world, and and that is he is picking up on a basic word picture from life and using it to draw attention to spiritual truth. That's what parables do, is they kind of take word pictures and images and put them alongside some profound spiritual truth. And the word picture here is an old farmer going out in the field, and he's got a bag of seeds, and he's broadcasting those seeds. And if you think about um, the way that would happen in the ancient world is a person would go through their field and throw out all the seeds that they could, and then they would go and till it in. Uh, They didn't do all the tilling first like we do today. They would throw the seeds on top of the soil and then till it into the soil so that it would be in contact with the soil. But the image that you get here is the seeds are falling all over the place. Uh, If you've ever broadcast like grass seeds in your yard, or if you're doing a cover crop in your garden and you're just throwing seeds out, it's not an exact science. So this is a person who's going down kind of the edge of the field. And some of the seeds as he's throwing them out are falling right off the edge of the field on the hardened path. And Jesus says that image of the hard path where the seed just falls and sits on top is an image of a hard packed heart that the word doesn't penetrate. And some of the seeds are falling in rocky soil that there's just very little topsoil there. So they're sprouting, but there's no depth. And uh, the roots can't take hold so that when difficult times come, the, the, the sun bears down on it, the plant doesn't make it because it's too shallow. And then you have the weedy soil where the weeds, and I can really identify with this. If you go back and look at my gardens in Tennessee, uh, you know, Bermuda grass and all that stuff gets in there, and it chokes out the word. is Is the idea here, uh, and it's only the it's only the good soil that is a context of receptivity. All the others have a problem with space, and that's that's a big important issue.
0: Well, let's ask our resident flower farmer here if he understands these these lessons, mm-hmm. huh, Michael?
4: <laughs> well, George says it,
1: it reminds him of his garden, the weedy garden. I, it, I was just thinking, well, it kind of reminds me of my heart. Uh, because mm-hmm. the soils are are people or people at least people's hearts, and I understand things things being crowded out. Uh, the seed, it's good seed. Notice this: the seed always does what it's supposed to do, but it's the soil that's the question.
4: Yeah, and I I can honestly say that that I consistently have to give attention to the condition of my heart. Is there is there yeah. space? Um, the pressures and the pleasures of life will come in like those weeds, and choke out my focus and attention. Um, so it, it ends up being a, an issue of life space and heart space. We just don't have the space to listen and to receive. Okay, I, I've, I've got
1: a question. This this is one of the few, if only, parables that Jesus explains. Is Why does he explain this one?
4: Yeah, I think um, the practical reason is because the disciples um, ask him to. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you look at verse ten, uh, when he was alone, uh, those around him with the twelve ask him about the parables, and mm-hmm. he answered them. And then he goes into the secret of the kingdom. So, um, it's it's also you know it's it's he he answers the question because they ask it, but it's also a tremendous opportunity. You know, being a good teacher is seeing moments of opportunity teachableness. And so what he does yeah. is he goes in and he says, uh, this is so foundational, you've got to get it. Because if you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else. They're about to
1: go out and sow the seed themselves, right? So they need to get this.
4: Yeah, that's that's right. But I, I yeah. do think they're still in the process of discovery here. Uh Ben Witherington says that the disciples are the duh disciples in uh Mark. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really get it uh, as they're going along, and Jesus is saying, "Here's one of the keys to getting it: is you you think about the condition of your heart." The thing's really interesting in that parable is um, this is a different kind of word picture used for for the word than other places in Scripture. If you think about the word as a sword, or the word as a rock, or the word as honey, these are all motivations that focus on you know kind of challenging you to be drawn into the word this is the this is the one that shifts to the issue of the condition of your receptivity so it's not focused on you know kind of prompting your motivations it's more the condition of your heart that's the key and that's that's a little bit different here
0: yeah Getting back to the message of your book, Reading the Bible Better, George, um, do you recommend that we have a plan for reading the Bible then? Here we are again at the end of the first month of the year, and those uh, those plans, some some are sticking to it, and thankfully, and others are not.
4: No, I, I absolutely do. I think that once we understand that this is a relational dynamic, we want to move from there. We don't want to simply kind of uh, kind of the old method of just open up the Bible every day wherever it lands. We want to establish rhythms of relationship mm-hmm. and um, tools that can help us. So absolutely, we want to uh, we want to to tap into the good plans that are out there that can help us. And for instance, on GeorgeHGuthrie.com, people can go and get and download for free a basic chronological plan or what is called the four plus one plan to help them read through the Bible. Um, And then just having some really good basic tools, like a good study Bible or a good Bible dictionary can help tremendously, because if you can't apply what you don't understand. And so, sometimes you need some basic tools that will help. And the book really lays that out and talks about tools that can help.
1: Mm. Yeah, and and my experience has been, too, uh, a, a good percentage of studying the Bible is a matter of unlearning things that i've that i've learned in the past that you know that didn't re, don't really apply or the scriptures not really saying that and so i think if you take this listening stance that you're talking about i think that that makes all the difference in the world you're 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 listening to a voice and uh, bill bill lane used to say the best way to love god is to listen to him mm-hmm. so that's back to shema, back to shema
4: i want to spend the rest of my life leaning into scripture yeah, You know what I mean by that? Leaning yeah. in. And I think that in some ways with uh, the fact that God gave us the Scripture in human language, which can be misunderstood and sometimes mm-hmm. takes a while to to hear, um, that thing of leaning in is something all of us in the church have to do. Yeah. And as we're leaning in, if you think about it, then it means we're leaning in toward each other as yeah. well. Is it the psalmist um, who says,
0: incline thy ear? Is that, is, is yeah. that from the Psalms? Yeah. lean into the to the word a short guide to reading the bible better dr george guthrie mention the website again and we'll put it in our program notes too george
4: yeah it's simply george
0: h guthrie.com okay it'll be in the program notes at Michaelcard.com. michael um we're so thankful for this guy i know you have a friendship with george that goes back a long ways but we certainly appreciate him popping up on the podcast from time to time
1: yeah thanks for thanks for washing our feet uh, with the water of the word because that's what you do
4: George yeah well it's a it's always a treat to be with you guys I mean that this is I, I look forward to it every time we get to just talk and be together
0: Michaels we say goodbye to George would you like to say a word about this next song the bridge well th- this song is uh, about one of the things
1: uh, that the Bible does and that is it it's a bridge between our heart and our mind uh, we love God with all our heart with all our mind. And we love him by listening to him And we love him by listening to his word That's, that's basically what this song's about
5: There was a
3: legal-minded man Intellectually inclined But the facts just seemed to pile up and fester in his mind so he asked the twisted question what am I supposed to do? his mind said he should love but his heart still wondered who The story Jesus told of a lonely outcast traveler upon a dangerous road. Then the man with all the answers left the wounded man to die, while the lonely clueless stranger refused to pass him by. From the head to the heart, from the heart make a journey if we ever hope to find. You can see it as a bridge or a narrow winding road. The fact is truth must travel if it ever will be told. The answer's not an answer if it's for the mind alone. It's the seed that must be sown. It has to do with loving and giving all you have to give. And only those who cross the bridge can ever hope to live, can ever hope. a bridge or a narrow winding road the fact is truth must travel if it ever
0: what you're hearing has stirred you to want to explore the scriptures further, look online for more from Michael that can help. Find music and books that explore the great themes in scripture. Come explore all that's available for you at michaelcard.com. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to look through the podcast archive for an extensive collection of classic and current editions to hear, enjoy, and share. Coming up, more music and conversation with cellist John Ketchings after this message in the studio with Michael Card.
1: I'm so glad the Holy Land Illustrated Bible is this month's featured resource. I spend a lot of time traveling throughout Israel and I learn new things about the life situation of the scriptures every time I go. This Bible edition reminds me of where
0: I've been in Israel and I hope it'll make the scriptures come alive for you too. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible at csbible.com and read more about this unique study tool. When you order, apply your 40% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 with caps, no spaces, in the promotion code for your 40% discount with LifeWay. The Holy Land Illustrated Bible is packed with hundreds of pictures, articles, maps, and illustrations that will bring the ancient world to life. Dig deep into the text as you discover the meaning and message of God's Word to you today. I hope you take advantage of this beautiful and well-thought-out study edition of the Bible. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible now at csbible.com. We are back in the studio with Michael Card. This whole half the program now is going to be a concert of sorts here with our friend John Catching.
1: We have, well, have a special guest. I was going to kind of make him wait for it, but <laughs> uh, you know, we have John Catchings with us, which is a real privilege to have you back, John. Thank you, Mike. Thanks it's good to be coming. back
5: with you and Wayne and your audience. A little bit of culture here. John
0: brings his cello into the studio, and things immediately uh, get better, don't they? That's right. <laughs> they do. They do. Thanks, Michael, guys. you're holding the banjo. Does that mean you're going to play the banjo with John? No, it means I'm going to try to play the banjo <laughs> with John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what happens here in the studio with Mike Card and John Catchings. I understand you're going to do What Wondrous Love Is This, guys? <laughs> such a nice sound what a what a rich sound to that cello John that uh, that's quite an instrument you've got there
5: well it likes to be uh, easily touched because the uh, a lot of instruments are very resistant but this one if if you draw easy on it you know it has a pretty reasonable sound for a for an instrument that's of dubious uh, heritage. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should pursue that up, but I'm not sure I want
2: to, Michael. <laughs>
5: well, it's not a Stradivarius. Oh, yes, that's for sure. Yeah. and, and uh, It actually is a, probably a Bohemian cello from Czechoslovakia or maybe close to the German border from about 80 years ago. Oh, I didn't know it was that old. I'd say about that, 75, 80 years. And it was. Um, you didn't see Beethoven's signature so, on no. It
1: there? No. So you couldn't afford a newer cello than that? <laughs> <just
5: said? laughs> no, no, no. And it was actually uh, asleep, I think, headed for the uh, spare parts pile on a dealer's uh, wow. back shelf. And I, I picked it up and I said, you know, let me, let me just do that. And I said, yeah, I like the sound. Hmm. And it's good for close miking, it works, works very well. Yeah. So I'm happy with it. Does that cello's it, been on a lot of records. It has been yeah. on thousands. Yeah. Does it sound better with all those signatures and it doesn't sound any worse? Autographs all over it. <laughs> now,
0: explain explain that for those who can't see it. We should put a photo of this on the website we at could some do point. That. Yeah.
5: Well it's it's for a number of years, um, I let people sign the the top and the sides of the cello because I didn't know if I'd ever record with these people again because life changes, they they stop recording or stop the career, or whatever. And so I've got some people on here that were kind of significant to me, like Mickey Newberry, who has now passed away. Mm. Dwayne Eddy signed this. Wow. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Seger. You know, I, I mean, people from rock and roll, people from jazz, people from all walks of musical life. So it's been kind of fun. It's like a, a walking scrapbook for me. Mm. I
1: see Charlie Daniels from this Charlie side. Daniels, yeah. yeah.
5: And Billy Bob Thornton, because we did some movie music with him here in Nashville. <laughs> Amazing! Great you, fun. You make your living as a, a studio session player in Nashville. Uh, yes, I sure do. Been there uh, for a long time. Long time. And you yeah. get to hang out with people like Mike Card once in a
0: while.
1: Yeah. So oh. there
5: is some there is some light at the, the end of the tunnel. <laughs> we
0: were on the road together for years and
1: years. Yeah, a uh, long of, time. Yeah, long. time. During the hard the hardest part of touring when we were touring in a van and cars and flying everywhere, John put
5: up with the worst of it. Yeah, two, two seats in a van with mm-hmm. an open back end with a beanbag chair in the bed. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. And and I confess and
1: apologize. I was a complete, I was a complete idiot. John would say, "You know, do we have to eat at McDonald's again?" I go, "Oh, you're just being a sissy." Now, you know, the, well, the older I got, the go uh, I realized. Well, I figured if you, if you took <laughs> yourself
5: idiot. out, I would be right behind you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I do. I look back on those years and I regret that I wasn't more sensitive. stories. Oh, stories, stories they you were guys fun. Telling, they were yeah. fun.
0: Hey, let's keep the music going here. Uh, John, you want to do something from the CD, Mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about later. This is Amazing Grace. Yes. Mm John Ketchings in the studio. John, hearing you play that with uh, such uh, feeling,
5: sensitivity, do you, do you ever meditate as you play the cello? Uh, all, all the time. When I, when I record, my favorite time to record is when it's uh, night, and then I have a, a single stand light on the stand, and I have a uh, remote thing that I can record with, so I'm doing tracks for clients. And then I can just kind of sit back, and relax and open myself up to whatever I feel, wherever the Spirit wants to take me. Mm -hmm. And I just let it go. I don't really think about it a whole lot. Um, I try to stay out of the way. Mm -hmm. And the result usually is a lot better for me than than when I'm locked into a page and, and printed notes.
1: And John will construct uh, cello quartets and and do, do those do those kinds of overdubs for for albums for people. That's some of the work he's most recently. I think he's best known
5: for playing all four parts. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes like today, I did six, and wow, and got them uploaded on the net to my client just before I drove into the studio. <laughs> wow, and that is a lot of fun. And it's a sound. It's an unbelievable sound for for. I, I don't think I've ever heard a cello sextet, but. Four is unbelievable. Right. And yeah. and in fact, I, I cut my teeth as a young student at conservatory with a cello professor who loved to have uh, 12 cellos out on the stage. Wow. And we did concerts. I played Carnegie Hall when I was an undergrad and, uh-huh. and did uh, concerts all over the East Coast uh, as part of a large cello ensemble. So that sound is very personal to mm-hmm. me. You got something else for us, uh, Michael? You gonna
0: do anything else with John here in the studio? I'm I'm uh, I'm an open book. I'm game to do anything you wanna wanna
5: try to do that I can do. Um, just name a song suggestions, John. <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> Gosh, eleven million songs have passed under the fingers, and you're and suddenly <laughs> what, you're drawing a blank. But as slate. you
1: would say, what song do you have under your paws? That's, None. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. John, we work on something. John, go off. I got to go get it under my paws. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, you? Like, did you? I remember us playing "Join the Journey." That had some kind of. When there were one of the songs, like your mom liked, or there was some connection with your family, one of the songs we used to play in concert?
5: Yeah, we used to do uh, Join the Journey almost every every show for a, num- a number of years.
0: Yeah. I remember that well. Sure. Yeah,
1: that has a really nice cello to You want yeah. to yeah. go for that? Yeah, we can give her a try. I'd
0: love sure. to hear it. Join the Journey. Michael, you'll move to the piano here in the studio, and John Catching's on cello. All right. Ready? One, two, three.
3: Forget not the hope that's before you And never stop counting the cost Remember the hopelessness when you were lost Love on the way, and there is a wonder and wildness to life, and freedom for those who obey, and freedom for those who obey.
0: Great to have John back playing with uh, Michael Card here. Joy in the journey. Uh, John, you want to just keep some of those hymns rolling here for the next few minutes? We'd love to hear some more.
5: Sure, absolutely. Just just
0: pick some out and and play for us. Let's see.
5: Recognize that from your CD, but I don't know the title of that. Um, it has a title called Idumea, and this has to do with the uh, single meter, which has to do with the actual rhythm of the piece. But this is going way back as Isaac Watts. <laughs> <laughs> what about Poor Wayfaring Stranger? Do you have that in your head? Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. And uh, this, the the tunes off the album for the most part. Run anywhere from four voices to sometimes eight or nine, depending upon how deep we we made the we made the pieces so the full orchestration is like, yes. it's like a cello choir as yeah, opposed to yeah. just solo
0: cello. Yeah, mm-hmm. So when we hear the yeah. CD, we'll hear that cello choir. Yes, play "Poor Wayfaring Stranger." Mm-hmm.
1: That's the that's the melody that Ben Johnson used to sing, for for poor wayfaring stranger. That was the oh, right. the legit
5: uh, a Negro spiritual melody. That's a great song, man. There's 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 so much heart in that. It's just and a breaking heart too. It's just yeah. unreal. Yeah, that was the when I started looking for laments. That was one of the first
1: you know, ones that uh, spoke to me. It's the someone said that. Uh, the theme song for the for the white American church is "He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own." But the theme song for the black
0: church is "I'm a poor wayfaring stranger."
5: Hmm. I can believe that. Yeah.
0: The CD that that is on, but as a cello choir, really, uh, mm-hmm. John playing uh, overdubs with himself, beautiful sound. It's called "Wayfaring Stranger."
1: This is a, um, a CD that's been hard to to get your hands on. I've got I had a couple that I got from you, but I would tell friends, you know you got to get this CD, and I just have to copy mine for them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay.
5: Yeah, I was doing the same thing myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a real treasure. As as, as I said before, there's two groups. There there are those of us who love the hymns and feel that connection with them, but then there's a whole generation. John, I don't know if you run into this, but on the road I'm running into whole churches that don't know Jesus,
5: what a friend for sinners! Or just right. as I am, or, right?
1: And it's unbelievable.
5: Well, as, as you know, I I'm a, uh, attend a Church of Christ here mm-hmm. in Nashville uh, with my wife and family, and um, we're very fortunate. Our song leader, Brandon uh, Scott Thomas, uh, incorporates who's a, who's a great com- writer as well. Oh, right? yes, yeah, right, right. And, and does uh, he's with the Zoe Group, and yeah. they do they help with praise team worship in yeah. other parts of the country all the time but he's very sensitive to that and so mm-hmm. we get both the new things that are coming out but we also dip back into that rich heritage so uh, at least I know that in that body the young kids are getting introduced to these That's great good. songs when some of the best new
1: hymns I've heard are coming out of the Zoe group and and from uh, Brandon in particular mm-hmm. I was I was at uh, Pat Flynn's church what's the what's the other a uh, big Church of Christ over at Hillsborough Road. Yes, and uh, they kept singing this. Where did you, where did you get these songs? I've never heard that hymn before. Oh, it's new. You know, Brandon just wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
5: <laughs> which is a good sign, right? Uh, it, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Very encouraging. Yes. Mm-hmm. We need we, the church needs to keep encouraging art across the board. Yes.
2: Hmm.
0: Pursue that thought for just a moment, John. We'll ask you and Michael to do one final song momentarily here. But what what do you mean that the church needs to support those in the arts?
5: Well, I think that the um, it's part of the spirit uh, of being a christian in 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 your walk and that is that you are are a creation and you are participating in the creation with with God and with our Lord um, that spirit should be nurtured it should be treasured and I think that the church needs to seek out the best writers they need to seek out the people um who have those gifts in place to be able to help the body. And so I, I'm I'm all for a great relationship between artists and, and the church. Right. Well said. Good. I think we have time for you two to collaborate here on something together
0: before we close. You want to try to do a hymn or something? I mean, sure. You do another hymn? You know, Do one I know. I'll,
5: I can sing. I know if I can. Um, have you seen one of these, John? No, I, I haven't. Yeah. Not, not up close, but I'll tell you what, that's a very lovely instrument. Yeah, this is from Inverness, Scotland. Wow. I don't know
1: if we were together... We may have blown think, through In- Infernus at one point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we might have been together when this was purchased, but it's, it's a bazooki. Oh, that's and very, uh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, a ni- it's a nice instrument. It's my new most favorite instrument. I'm I'm trying to see if I can f- I find something I can actually play, and it's so simple. I think it's
0: going to be <laughs> the one for me. Yeah,
5: very well, nice. Sounds
0: great, too. Thanks. Let's see what it sounds like together with a cello, shall we? All right. Yeah. John, we'll say goodbye with this piece. Thank you for coming to the studio. Well,
5: thank you for having me, and God bless you all. yeah.
0: yeah come thou fount of every blessing michael fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. What a special Mm -hmm. time in the studio with John Ketchings. Mm -hmm. Michael, it was great to hear that again.
1: Yeah, he's such a, you're not just hearing his fingers play, you're hearing his heart play. And uh, yeah, John's a great guy.
0: Well, I tell you, also ringing in my ear is the phrase that George Guthrie used with us today, leaning into the word of Mm -hmm. God.
1: Yeah, well, we we began that discussion. He was re- made reference to the Shema, uh, which is the central creed of monotheism in Judaism. Every uh, you know righteous Jew prays it three times a day. Listen, uh, Israel, the Lord is one, and you must love Him with basically everything you are. And um, I, I, that's what I came away with uh, hearing uh, George overview. Uh, his approach to scripture, that uh, we love God by listening to him with our
0: heart, with our soul, with our mind, with everything that we are. Thanks, Michael. And with that, we've come to the end of the session. We're glad you were with us for this hour. Please feel free to post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page. Write via email in the studio at michaelcard.com. Learn about Michael's books and music at michaelcard.com. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts or share the link with what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. And we're glad for the partnership with our sponsors of the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com to learn more about the great Bible editions that can help you get serious with God's Word. This month, we're featuring the Holy Land Illustrated Bible. There's hundreds of pictures, helpful charts and articles and illustrations about the situation in Bible times that will bring the Scripture to life. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible. When you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with all caps and no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. Now for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for sitting in with us for this session, In the Studio with Michael Card.